Welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfang, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. We share personal experiences and take an uncut look into the world of breast cancer. Welcome to the conversation. In this episode, we take a look at the benefits of exercise and nutrition among those diagnosed with breast cancer. I am very excited to be meeting with Dr. Barry Morris, a lecturer in biochemistry in the School of Sports and Exercise and Health Sciences at Loughborough University in the UK. Dr. Morris is a cancer researcher with more than 12 years experience in EVB-associated cancer research, specializing in epithelial cell biology and in vitro cell models. She is the author of the book, Demystifying Cancer Biology, which is now available on Amazon, and founder of Essential Cancer Education. Let's dive into today's breast cancer conversation. I recently established a business called Essential Cancer Education, um, and it's an online training program for health professionals. But as a bit of an aside to that, I also I work at a university and I do cancer research as part of my, my work. Um, and I work at Loughborough University, which I don't know if you know it as well, but in the Midlands in the UK. And it's really the place to go if you're sporty. I'm not at all. I might add that. I'm not sporty. So I stand out like a sore thumb for the wrong reasons. Um, but when I moved there, there was a big sort of drive towards trying incorporating some sort of sport or exercise angle into your research. And my research background was always cancer. So I started to look at the role of exercise in cancer. And that just opened up a whole new world for me. I didn't realise how important keeping yourself well physically and also mentally as well, but how much of an impact it has on cancer. As I start to dive into that world, I see that there's a lot of inconsistency around the advice that patients are given. So I've been doing a lot of research, uh, speaking to patients themselves to find out what what advice they got in the way of diet and nutrition mm-hmm. and what advice they got in terms of exercise too. For example, one of my friends, she is a nutritional therapist herself and a breast cancer survivor. And she oh, wow. said... When she went to her doctor, her oncologist said, oh, you can eat whatever you like. And she was like, no, I can't. I'm a nutritional therapist. I can tell you that I've been eating this, this and this, and I should be eating. And I thought, how interesting that if she hadn't got that knowledge, she'd have just been sent on her way. A girl I met in the summer, actually, called Gemma, who, when she was 26, was diagnosed with, I think it was a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was a lymphoma of some description. Mm -hmm. And she was a runner. And she was told, no, you really ought to bed rest, take it easy, don't push yourself too hard. And she said, like, I just didn't sit right with her because she was a runner. She wanted to yeah. be out there running. So she kind of ignored the advice and carried on running. And she says, to this day, she swears that's what saved her. And, of course, now that I'm into that world of that research and I'm looking at the molecular side of things and understanding what's happening in the body, but it makes sense. It's logical. You're thinking, yeah, of course, of course it helps. So that's that was a very long-winded way of telling you why I do. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And I love your expertise in that with like the sciences and kind of a deep dive in the research to bring credence to kind of what we take anecdotally as, you know, to quote you, yeah. like it just didn't sit right. I feel like there's a lot of nutrition, diet, and exercise. There's a lot of gray area out there. And so to have your expertise, the research and the academic field to be able to bring light into how those who've been diagnosed with cancer can make the best of their treatment plan and survivorship. Yeah, and I think it's also, there's a lot of people out there on the internet who claim to be experts in this field and mm-hmm. are selling all sorts of mistruths, and I think that's partly why I got into what I'm doing with essential cancer education, because I want to be, 
I'm not against the alternative and complementary therapies. Mm-hmm. I absolutely am for that if there's evidence to back it up. And I remember having a conversation with somebody recently who went, why do you need evidence? And I'm like, because you can't just say, oh, well, it worked for my granny, so therefore it's going to work for me. That's not, that's not evidence. Um, and so that's where I'm trying to kind of bridge the gap between those two worlds, if you like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think even in the, like the last decade or so too, there's been a shift like you got diagnosed with cancer so therefore you need bed rest and you need to just take care of yourself and not move I was talking with my oncological team and they were like work out vigorously push yourself and do as much as you can to move and what I didn't understand at that time is when you're so fatigued working out vigorously may literally just mean walk down the block (laughs) Um, but the point was to get outside to move your body and to try and stay as active as possible what are your thoughts when you're told to eat healthy? And I think that's the difficulty, isn't it? So you you, you get told to eat healthy, but mm-hmm. eating healthily can mean a very different thing to different people. And part of the, the reason behind the most recent posts that I've written around diet and cancer, I want to write about where the evidence is. But when, you, when you're saying about they're not telling you what kind of exercise to do, I think that's partly because we just don't know. And the, take, the big take-home message for me at the end of that was we really just don't know enough. And the studies right. have all been so inconsistently what one study does and what they record and how they record it is very different to what other people do and then there's the whole the angle of well high intensity exercise just as you said for somebody who's really fit and healthy will mean a very different thing to somebody who's going through treatment who's exhausted to somebody who's completely unfit and never not trained so there's there's that angle as well so what 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 exactly should we be doing? And the answer is we don't really know. I think you hit the nail on the head with like, the genetics in the background before diagnosis. And in a lot of the fitness groups that I'm a part of, just to stay motivational and hold myself accountable, I started getting the questions of, well, did you do yoga before surgery, before breast cancer surgery? Well, I did. So that's why I'm flexible and able to kind of do some of the arm balances and have that upper body strength now. But to someone who's never practiced that before, and then we're told to do yoga after surgery to prevent mm-hmm. lymphedema can be very hard and so just being able to not compare yourself to other people of where they are in that journey oh um, so true yeah exactly <laughs> also for people who want to do yoga perhaps pilates is a nice gentle way into it because mm. you can do gentle exercise but wasn't pilates invented by somebody who had uh, reduced mobility and that was exercises oh. he could do from his chair and on his bed so it's a really a good way into it to build that upper body strength and to kind of increase your range of motion until you're at such a point where you're able to do or right. start yoga. Yeah, That's- exactly. Well, I'd love to hear more. Um, you mentioned that you are writing some books or some blogs and doing more in-depth research on this topic. Okay, so I have written a book which is on um, Amazon at the moment. It's called Demystifying Cancer Biology. Ooh. And really, if I'm honest, that was a series of blog posts that I wrote as part of my teaching to support the education I had for my students at my previous institution where I used to work. Um, So I was delivering some biology of cancer lectures to second years and I was giving them this paper to read and they were not reading it and I was well why aren't you reading it and when I asked them about it they said because I just don't understand what it's all about. He he writes there's all these big long words and it's not lots of new terminology and just I don't understand it. Hmm. So I decided to experiment with rewriting it in a kind of everyday language and using everyday metaphors and analogies so like uh, for example describing the growth of tumour like making pizza from ingredients in your cupboard versus calling in for dominoes and that sort of rate of growth Um, and I loved that so I got some really good feedback from them and then I decided well I might as well just pull it together and put it up there on Amazon as a a book and I recorded an audio book version of it as well. That's great. 
What do you recommend for exercise and diet for those who've been diagnosed with cancer? Is there best practices or tips you have? This is my opinion only. I want to start of course, with of course. So from what research I have done, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that the plant-based vegan diet is the most anti-cancer. Oh, so there I should are, get back to that. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, but then I, the oily fish is really good for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, people who take fish oil supplements, um, and I wrote about in my most recent post. In terms of exercise, again, like I said, it's we don't really know, mm-hmm. but it would appear that the evidence as it stands right now, it says that moderate to high-intensity exercise and having three times... No, sorry, five times, 30-minute bouts each week is what the recommendation is. Yeah, so endurance rather than resistance, although if bone density is an issue yeah. for you, which is really good, you're having your therapy that reduces your estrogen, mm-hmm. um, and resistance training is definitely a good thing for for increasing your bone density. In fact, one of my colleagues who works on bones, um, she did a study recently showing that hopping, bizarrely enough, hopping is really good for increasing your bone density. Huh. I know. Yeah. So like jump so, roping or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yes, those are well, that would be more more sensible way of doing it rather than just popping around in one foot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, those are great recommendations and, you know, things I'm actually going to put into practice this week. Yeah. yeah. I've been toying with trying veganism for a while and then I posted the post two weeks ago and my friend who I used to work with who is a vegan, she was like, you should so just do it, just do it already. So I went off to the shops to get some milk, because I run out of milk for my tea, and I love milky tea, and mm. uh, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just buy some Alpro um, almond milk and try mm. that, just as it doesn't taste the same, <laughs> but I need to experiment with a few things, and try yeah. out a few alternatives, before I then go the whole hog into it, but I do tend to eat quite a lot of fresh fruit and veg, and that is, that's exactly. the best thing for you, leafy greens and antioxidant fresh fruit and veg, so your red berries and things like that are really good for you, and your red berries are very rich in antioxidants, I don't yes. know about red beet. But certainly I've heard eat a rainbow. You've got as much colour in your plate as possible and not just having the beige. I think the whole point is the more colour you have in your plate, the less full of refined and processed you know, carbohydrates and stuff mm. that's going to be there, isn't it? Because they're quite beige, aren't they? Um, so the more colour you have in your plate, the more fresh it's going to be. Really. Perfect. Well, I love that. I'm inspired this week to uh, try that. Taste the rainbow. I'll be posting on Instagram, hopefully. We can maybe hold each other accountable yeah. with our 30-minute workouts. Yeah. No, okay, so this week then, I'll, what I'll do is I'm going to try some, to find some alternatives to my usual thing. So I'm going to try another milk alternative um, for my tea, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and find some sort of egg or... What would you have for instead of eggs? Because I love having omelets and things like that. Yeah, and now that I'm eating eggs, I do have to say I do love them. So, again, I think part of the reason why my diet changed is because of the the estrogen and I know the jury is still out on whether or not soy is good or bad for you but as a vegan I was eating a lot of soy products and unbeknownst to me or maybe just not connecting the dots I was also eating a lot of processed foods so I think there is a misnomer too that vegan equals healthy but veganism has definitely some unhealthy opportunities that you may not realize there's a lot of kind of like fake cheeses or fake meats that you can get in the grocery store that are completely processed. So while I was excited to have, you know, my veggie burger or my fake hot dog or sausage, I was eating and consuming a lot of soy products that were processed. That would just be my piece of advice. As you mentioned, stick with the plant-based whole foods, vegetables. 
sometimes it's hard though isn't it when it's just when you're busy just it's easy to just get something processed and stick it in the oven chickpea though <laughs> became a good friend of mine there was um like mashed chickpea made for a good kind of like an egg salad supplement so like for sandwiches you can crush chickpea add like your celery your seasonings onions etc and put that in like your pita bread and it kind of has the same texture we have this program over here called the Great British Bake Off. I don't know if you've seen it. And every week they have a theme. So it's a um, 12 contestants and each week one gets knocked out and they have to bake three things each week. And there's always a theme. So it's like bread week or pastry week or whatever. And last week was vegan week and they had oh. to make these products that were all fully vegan. So things like they had to make a meringue and they used, uh, uh, what do they call it, afogada or something like that. Mm. And it's basically when you get a tin of chickpeas and you strain it, that, that liquid that they're in, you can oh. whip that up and oh. it creates a meringue. <laughs> I was like, good who to knew? Know. Yeah, who knew, really? I always <laughs> just put that down the drain. So that's good to know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if there's particular brands you have to be careful, but it's called afo. Afogaba or something like that. I need to look at oh, that. Okay. But yeah. I thought how interesting that you can find these alternatives. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. And I definitely want to um, help you promote the work and the um, articles that you're doing. So if you ever want to send a blog to our organization, we'd be happy to have you as a guest blogger. And after Likewise. this. Yeah, thank you. And same with your book. If you want to send the link to Amazon, I'd be happy to put that in the notes below on the YouTube description so people can link to that. And anything else? I think you're doing fabulous work, and I love that we can kind of across the pond connect and help um, raise awareness. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Morris, for joining us today and providing great insight into the role nutrition and exercise play in our lives. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional and medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. For those of you listening, there are so many ways for you to join our community. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word. And never miss a beat by following us on Twitter at SBC underscore ORG and searching for our YouTube channel, Surviving Breast Cancer. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast, and we will see you again next week. Until then, continue smiling and celebrating life.